0: Hey, everybody, welcome to Investing in Cannabis. This is only the second to last time I'm going to be saying that to you wonderful people. Thanks again for listening over the years, and we'll have a special goodbye episode next uh, with some special treats for you guys in there. Today, we have John of Greenlight, which is a chain of 24 dispensaries in some locations that maybe you don't think about that much arkansas illinois missouri south dakota west virginia Uh, while everybody's been focused on california and new york John and Greenlight have been killing it in the medical market in the flyover states, as he says, better known as Midwest. A lot of these are looking to turn recreational, and John and Greenlight's strategy is about to see the next phase come to fruition. Uh, Really interesting conversation. Uh, They also cultivate. They are growing a lot. 400-plus employees, which... Seems like a lot to me. Uh, It's a great interview. John is uh, upbeat and uh, super interesting. I learned a ton. You're going to learn a ton. Tune in. Listen up. Get acquainted. John, so nice to meet you, man. Thanks
1: for joining the show. Welcome. Well, thank you, Brandon. Love love to be here and uh, appreciate your time today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, We'll get you started with an easy one.
1: What is Greenlight? Uh, so, so Greenlight's a multi-state operator. Uh, one of the, one of the new kids on the block. We we basically formerly came from. Uh, we had a company called Acres out in uh, Nevada and Eureka out in California. Uh, we sold those off to uh, to Cureleaf in, in a nice transaction in early 2019, and we were able to come back and, and reload home here. Uh, we're Midwestern boys, and so we were able to come back and and reload here in the Midwest and these. Fly over states that uh, many of the MSOs are are forgetting about. So uh, we're 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 excited to build out. We've got 23 operating dispensaries today and 150,000 square feet and uh, 400 uh, wonderful humans that work for us today. And uh, and we're expanding from here. So we're we're kind of the uh, cannabis 2.0 of of the groups that sold out to uh, MSOs and learned a lot of lessons through that process and are are excited about. Uh, the business we're building out here and and operating efficiency, you know, efficiencies that come with that, and and having that great education we got from uh, from making all the mistakes we did before.
0: Awesome, um, yeah. So I'm excited to talk about some states that don't get a lot of love in the cannabis industry: uh, Arkansas, Missouri, South Dakota, West Virginia. Um, obviously, medical states, but why? Why was that the strategy? Why start with medical? And I'm sure you're expecting recreational before too long, but why that strategy?
1: Yeah, well, well one, uh, we came back to the Midwest, which is home for us, uh, have, have good home field advantage here as far as uh, knowing the lay of the land and, and working through regulations, things along those lines. But uh, the main one is we, we like to, to go out and win licenses, have a great ground game uh, versus writing, uh, writing big checks kind of after the fact. And so we were able to, through the, uh, the application process and zoning and everything else that goes into to winning and operating licenses, we were able to go in and efficiency. you know, the efficiency of opening up a lot of stores. We opened, I think, as many stores as any MSO uh, last year. And so we, we see this as a, as, as a unique opportunity. Uh, we believe that the whole country at some point will switch to adult use. So getting in on the medical program, having a big footprint like we do in these states uh, will, be, uh, will be an attractive footprint to, uh, to find a, a good partner later on. Talk about the
0: strategy of winning versus acquiring license. Um, I think, look, there's two schools of thought, right? As you said before we started, it's expensive to acquire licenses. But I think some of the bigger MSOs, they've thought, oh, well, how do we increase our top line as quickly as possible so we can raise more money? Right. Um, So I kind of why that strategy, why was it important to win them? Obviously, it's hard
1: and it takes a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And and all all these processes, Missouri was a very fast uh, application process relative to other states. And that was 18 months. Mm -hmm. So if you look at the big MSOs, they don't have 18 months to wait. They've got to have, you know, quarterly growth. And, And now you're seeing all these MSOs, too, focused on, you know, what's your EBITDA number? At the bottom, and and they're acquiring based on on that, which is more traditional, like in the widget business, mm-hmm. instead of the weed business. So I, I think as the industry has developed, first it was a big land grab. Now I think people are are more focused on on those earnings, how we add those earnings to the bottom line, and, and those accretive purchases, like like they would with any other uh, publicly traded company. So I think that's the uh, that's the key now. Is 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 basically setting up your business to be an efficient operator where you're, you're dropping, dropping money to your earnings line. And then uh, that's, that's what the MSOs are now looking for as, as they keep expanding across the state. And obviously, in, in a medical market, you don't see those earnings numbers like you do in, in adult use. And so as these states are, uh, are getting ready to, to roll to adult use in November, here, it, uh, all of a sudden, those, those earnings numbers will, will increase and obviously, you, you go up about 2.2, 2.5, depending on the state, uh, times your current revenue. You know, so if you're a $400,000 dispensary now, all of a sudden, you're a million-dollar dispensary. And those earnings are reflected at the bottom. And obviously, the top line is, uh, is nice as well. But uh, I think everybody's starting to morph to where we're all in this for the, uh, the long haul now. And, uh, and we've got to show a, a return for whether it's the, the green light investors or any of the other publicly traded companies
0: um what's the playbook like to switch to adult use recreational i'm sure it's different in every state but what what are kind of the things that you think about how do you
1: switch over yeah we we, we worked hard on uh on basically making sure that ballot initiative is is written properly you know like here in missouri we got automatic expungement which is first in the state and then uh, a little bit of uh social equity licenses that are coming out but nothing to to really impact the uh the industry as a whole but you allow more people uh in disadvantaged areas to come into the market so those were critical and then also building your coalitions as you look at this so in missouri we got the naacp you got normal and you got in you know basically the entire industry behind it which generally the the normal group and a an operating business are, are not on the same side of that fence and uh you know normal obviously once unlimited we we would like that as well if it was if it was controlled and we could keep black market out. We always uh, focus first on keeping black market out and away from kids and all that other stuff that defends the industry as a whole. So basically, getting groups like that together with uh, all the all the industry professionals is is really challenging. So getting their input up front was was huge for our ballot initiatives, and uh, and then you also got to make sure that that passed the secretary of state. You get legal challenges out the wazoo. In, in every one of these, so uh, making sure you're working with Secretary of State and those people that you're crafting language not to screw up the existing constitutional amendment, which is our medical as uh, as we're morphing into adult use. And then you look at a state like Arkansas, where which it also is going to be on the ballot here, as as the Supreme Court ruled uh, last uh, what ten days ago now, I guess. And uh, it's different down there because they have a Board of Elections, and and if you get too creative with like expungement and the things we all want as an industry, uh, you actually end up losing uh losing adult use and, and the opportunity to to people to come in and, and purchase our products versus going to get a synthetic uh down at CVS pharmacy. hmm Absolutely.
0: Um sorry, there's some background noise here. just gonna wait a second. Some some landscaping or something. <laughs> uh, gotcha. Um Wow, that's really loud. You brought up the illicit market. You brought up the black market. It's something in California. I'm sitting in California, we've done a terrible job of. I mean, there's just problems everywhere. There's illegal storefronts, there's endless things you can order on Craigslist. What's it like in these states um, that you're operating in? And and I guess further than that, like culturally, do people want to buy legal weed? Are they excited about that?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, like in, in the state of Missouri, so California is a, a, a unicorn in this equation, maybe not a unicorn, but it's it's different, obviously, you know, they had two decades of, you know, kind of a free for all, and then they tried to pull back the, uh, the chains on that equation. So they've, they've obviously had their challenges. You've got over taxation, you've got uh, regulatory issues, like getting anything done in that state where they, you know, they almost don't want you to operate. Is a, is a much different equation than you look at like a Missouri where you have one guy that's in charge down there and he's in the Department of Health and they've got a team of people and they go through licensing and they randomly inspect your location and, and uh, it's just a different equation. And, and then and then there's a limited number, right? So you you have sixty, you know 60 total cultivation licenses of which there's 28 different groups that that uh, own or control those and uh it's just a different you know way that they can come out make sure you know and then when your license is at value in any of these states where they have limited licenses well people don't try black market and they don't sell stuff out the back door and they don't open their door one day and close it the next day like you're seeing down in oklahoma right but so if your license is worth you know three four five million dollars uh for that sheet of paper that's hanging on the wall plus whatever you built into your facility you you basically make sure you protect that asset.
0: Yeah, you're not and put so that nobody in. does that.
1: You you look at Oklahoma and for twenty five hundred bucks in a beating heart, you can open your store. If you happen to get shut down uh, because there's nineteen hundred of them floating out there, you move down the you know two doors down and you go sell you know some there. And then we see more black market coming out of state like Oklahoma today. That just you know nineteen hundred dispensaries that are up and operating in in minutes. Uh, and you know, no, no industry background, no, you know, you didn't have to prove you knew anything to, to get in that industry. So people pop up and they, they you know, they have these crazy pro formas like we all used to have when we were, when we were rookies in the cannabis business. And then all of a sudden they're not hitting those pro formas. Well, then they go start down out the back door and then, you know, we see more, more illegal products coming from Oklahoma than we do anywhere from Northern Cal or anywhere else in uh, definitely not Mexico anymore. So yeah. the, the good news is we pretty much killed off the Mexico program. Sad, sad news is uh, we moved it to a state like Oklahoma and, and these places that they can't regulate well. But I think if you have limited licenses, what it does do is it forces people to, you know, basically, you know, stay, stay always on on the right side of the line. And, uh, and, and it's just not worth anything in between there. Are you concerned in any of these markets that they're going to continue to add new licenses? Yeah, you're, you're always con- concerned about that. You know, it, it would be like, uh, you know, being CVS and they don't like when Walgreens opens up across the street, uh, you know, basically cuts your business in half. And uh, you, you always worry about that, no, no matter what, uh, what business you're in. Uh, a, lot, a lot of these states are, are very conservative uh generally speaking if you look at their legislatures and and governors and etc and uh generally that side of the aisle is is uh does not want to see a whole bunch of uh outlets on every corner uh so that that's that's restricting and then uh, obviously you know what, whatever the constitution lays out is what the constitution lays out so
0: mm-hmm. um let's talk about product a little bit um it must be pretty hard to maintain consistency across all of these states. Uh, how have you found suppliers? How do you vet this product? You know, te- take me through that sort of buy-
1: buying process a little bit or in just cultivating process in your case. Yeah, so, so we we obviously uh in in our you know, Canvas 1.0 for us we were a, a vertical operator and so coming into these new states being a vertical operator and having those war wounds uh from uh from learning everything or, uh, or at least a part of the equation before has, has really helped us. You know, we were the second cultivator to get up and operating here in Missouri. And so having that supply to get out to, you know, what is now 15 uh, green light locations. And, you know, we, we pretty much know how to grow and process and produce a, a, a wonderful product. But then you also look at your stores and you've got a variety. Uh, everybody knows that uh, these, these other than like a state of Florida where you're not allowed to, like the true leaves of the world, where you're forced into basically having your own products on there. Uh, the consumer base and the patient base currently is, you know, they, they want to have a variety on the shelves. And so obviously we have to consistently be innovating on there. But then you're also working with uh, other brands. And, and when you walk into a new market, unlike the Colorados of the world, it's the brand hasn't developed yet. Now, they might have bought it in Colorado before and they want to have that one gummy here or the Smokies or something like that or select is uh, is one of the groups we do a lot of work with. But uh, it's it's a different mindset. And, you know, the people of Missouri have generally been, except for a trip to Colorado, have been buying uh, have been buying on the black market. and Now we're converting them over. So, you know, we're now tracking at almost a 400 million dollar uh, medical market today. So obviously, we're, we we think we'll be uh, in excess of a billion here uh, come this time next year, uh, tracking those kind of numbers. So uh, the consumers, one; they're getting more educated. They're coming back for things they like. You know, we get good feedback. Trolling, obviously being vertical and being able to talk to that patient walking in the door of what they like and don't like uh, obviously helps our our vertical. But when you're going in the new markets like we are today, it's about educating the consumer. And there's no real national brands out there that are truly dominating the market uh, like they will be in 10 years from now.
0: Mm-hmm. So I think California brands are arrogant enough to think that everyone else wants them, right? All the states are going to want to acquire or license or
1: whatever. You see that happening? Uh, I mean, you have some, some of the publicly traded guys that are doing the house of brands and things like that. Uh, they, they, you know, so, sometimes that math doesn't work. Uh, we're, we're not really in the business of licensing brands, uh, so that's not our shtick. But there, there are some of the manufacturers in here that do the keep Colas and do the one um, on, you know, th- those type of items. Uh, I, I think a lot of them are, uh, are are more confident in their their brand uh, brand loyalty across the country uh, than maybe they should be, and uh, I think it takes a long time, you know, to to develop that in years. I think but i do think in you know 10 years from now there there will be those certain brands that you know obviously are, are at the top and then there will be everybody else and uh, it will get closer to your grocery stores and then obviously you'll have a consolidation of brands and operators and things along those lines
0: yeah i mean most of those brands don't have any loyalty in california or washington yeah. or colorado so why do they think that that will translate? Yeah. it's unclear um Talk about marketing a little bit. It's one of those kind of tricky things in the medical world. Um, how are you handling that? What's been
1: successful to date? yeah the uh, I, I mean obviously, you know when you're limited on your your instagrams and Facebook and you know all those social feeds you're you're we're still limited on. obviously I think if we get safe banking, uh, those guys will will cut that loose, which uh, that's the only legislation we think kind of changes that or. We think that's the only legislation that actually passes mm-hmm. uh, in the in the very short term, which we can talk about that later. But the uh, uh, you know from a marketing standpoint, obviously it's it's getting getting people's uh, once they're a patient, you keep them forever, and getting you know most of of our products and everybody else's products are sold via text message, so you're sending them the special for the day, and and you're marketing like that. We are allowed here in uh, in Missouri to do billboards down uh, Arkansas we are not uh, you know so an exit here for our dispensary works uh works well and uh, but uh, you look at arkansas you're you know you're limited to thirty square feet for your sign on you know a ten thousand square foot building so it looks uh, anemic on the front of your store but the rules are the rules and so uh how how we market in a in a real restrictive state like that where we've we've got one of our outlets that's in a uh uh, oh shoot! What's the the uh, alcohol where you can't have alcohol? Here. I'm drawing a blank here. But uh, the uh, chain of alcohol uh, dry count. So in a dry county of oh. alcohol, but we're allowed to operate a medical marijuana dispensary. So you have huge restrictions in in some of these climates that you have to work around from in a uh, in a different state like uh, like Arkansas. And every obviously every state's different. West Virginia we're still working on getting edibles and things like that up there that changes the market complexity but uh you know they they have established rules up there obviously you always try and work with the regulators to to tweak it here and there uh, but marketing is really you you capture that that consumer one time and you want to hold them hold them for a life we do what's called a founders club where uh, the first 1000 people in any of our new dispensaries are in a a founders club group and they get special special uh, information and swag and all kinds of other stuff. And they become highly loyal to uh to the green Eye brand. And and uh when they see our, our G up on a on my sprinter truck going down the road or they see a billboard, there you know there's there's a certain loyalty to that, and you make sure you reward those those people that are really building your business for you. How about pricing? What's
0: a top shelf eight cost in these markets?
1: Uh so it's come down great. You know, so that, that's the one, one thing about all these, all these new markets you're talking about, you know, Nebraska, maybe going here. I, I think that's might be dead, but you, any of these new markets, obviously we started off at crazy, you know, 55, $60 ACE. And now we're getting down. I, I don't have anything on the shelf uh, above 40, $40 dollars dollar eighth, And it goes down to a $25 dollars dollar eighth today. Mm-hmm. And then and how about know, these, taxes on that. Like what's your out the door. On that forty dollars. No, I, actually, the, the good thing is in uh, state of Missouri uh, in all these medical states, really too. They, they generally keep it uh, keep it lower. So we've got a four uh, percent tax here. So uh, amazing. Uh, like, like, yeah, yeah, it's totally different than going over to Illinois or or something like that. And uh, obviously, as these prices have dropped down, you see less flow across the Mississippi to go to Illinois dispensaries uh, than you did before when. When, uh, you know, basically they had all kinds of stuff and we have very limited here with their tax rate over there. Obviously, it's adult use. And when we get there, you know, there'll be no traffic, you know, of uh, of people going over to buy. And then uh, they're like, you know, theoretically crossing that that border they shouldn't be crossing to get over here.
0: Mm-hmm. And these markets, you said November, are probably going to switch over. I, I don't know. I think you said in Missouri. Um, are they going to be greedy? like? The other states that have done this already, I mean, are they yeah. going to hike these prices up? I mean, uh, in my opinion, like we've screwed it all up on the west Coast. Yeah. You
1: know? yeah, yeah, no, I, I think uh, I think there's been some lessons learned on that, and uh, so in, in Missouri, we're going to end up at basically a nine percent tax. You know, six percent to the state, and uh, and also we got rid of the medical tax. Medical patient now has a reason to stay a medical patient. Where other states, you look at that, and it's just basically a discount card. Which is which is not right. Not the intent, I think, of of people wanting to do this. Uh, industry professionals on that. So you know we're we're in similar deal in Arkansas. So I think you know some of the Midwestern states have kind of uh, learned that lesson. Also, you know you look at our states too. We you know generally our, our tax rates are are lower to begin with, and uh, when when we jam any uh, any taxes in there, it also at the at the ballot costs you votes. So if you you put a big uh, you put a big tax on there your, you know, your chance of winning goes down slightly where, where, so the the states for us, the three big states that are, we believe will go adult use uh, this year is Missouri, which is our biggest footprint. We're the biggest operator here, Uh, Arkansas, which if that goes through, we'll have seven dispensaries down in uh, Arkansas. Those two, we we feel we're, we're pulling in the low 60%. And then uh, South Dakota as well. Uh, We'll have probably nine outlets there by then. And uh, that, that already passed adult use. And then, uh, and then the uh, courts up there kicked out that initiative. So they've crafted that initiative a little bit tighter than it was last time. So they've already approved adult use. and then it got kicked out by courts. So it's uh, you know, sometimes when you win, you, you, you didn't really win. So we'll <laughs> see how it all transpires. Such is life, I guess. How about how about delivery? Is that
0: proposed in any of these states? And is that you know how much do you think about that? The future of a part of
1: your business? The uh, it's it's a, it's basically available in, in all the states we operate. Okay. Uh, it, it, the challenge is uh, you know it. Uh, I have yet to hear an MSO that makes money in delivery. Uh, especially like if you look at an Arkansas, the the way the regs are written on there, you basically it's almost like an armored car. You have to have two drivers, so you're like thirty bucks an hour yeah, uh, cool. per each, and then you know. So what's your minimum going to be? How far are you going to go? Uh, it's very, very difficult to uh, to make money in the uh, in the delivery business in these in the state of Missouri. We're allowed to have drive-throughs, uh, which turns out being you know about forty five percent of our business. Wow. And, and so you know, you're you're taking uh, one of our sites. You take a. Uh, a uh, taco bell converted to a uh, dispensary operation and uh you know got it from the inside but uh you know they, they can go out there and on a friday you can do a chick-fil-a style and take the orders as as they're sitting there and cool. and you know we we work on microseconds on on how we get people in and out of the building uh and if they want to stay there for an hour we'd love to have them but we also want those those people that, you know, they've got their kids in the car and, and they're just coming to pick up their medicine.
0: Obviously, you're running a very tight ship over there, like and efficiency and operations, is something that doesn't get talked about enough in cannabis. What do you think are the lessons that you learned from doing this in California and having a uh, an acquisition, uh, an exit? You know, what have you applied there? What were some of the biggest learnings, I suppose?
1: Yeah, well, one, we had no idea how to grow when we when we started out there and, uh, you know, just product quality and and making sure you deliver on that brand promise as uh, as they walk in there. Uh, you know, we, we've been very creative. We created the farmers market out there and open view kitchens where you can see edibles and vapes made and all kinds of uh, fun stuff, cannabis museum and make destination locations as as our, our stick has always been. We want to kind of pull back the veil of marijuana and then all of a sudden it's not scary for those those people that grew up with the the nancy reagan just say no and so if you can see how a pre-roll is made behind a window or you can see how your gummy is being processed back there and it looks just like you know the fudge factory you went to at the mall then all of a sudden it's not as scary as it 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 maybe was before and and uh as, as we say weed in the window always sells and so it's a more interesting uh experience when you come to a a green light location than it is it's something that has you know white subway tiles and wants to be medical because the the doctor's offices used to look like that we want an open inviting place we had that out and and that was always our stick is you never want people to feel like they're you know a criminal so keep the security guard as much out of the way don't make them tug on a door or or have heavy bars on there that a person should feel like like they're going in to to buy anything else, you know, that they're going in the candy aisle of Walgreens instead of, you know, a a jail cell where they've got, you know, you know, man traps at the front and all this other crazy stuff just makes no logical sense to me. And so we uh, we think that the plants should be free and open and and uh, no matter what you're you're thinking about consuming on that front, you know, marijuana is always a better substitute.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, how about lounges? Is that available? Is there anywhere for people to consume?
1: The, uh, no, the, uh, the lounge program is not. I, I actually, in, in Las Vegas, I worked on that and, and thought I had a, a massive win, and that was going to be my legacy as I was leaving, uh, leaving, leaving Vegas. And uh, they, they killed that up at uh, the casino guys, killed that, and they'd rather have you buy a $16 drink than uh, buy a $2 gummy. So uh, it, we do not have those here in, in the states we're operating. I, I personally have never under, understood it from a uh, from a business standpoint alone. There's, you know, you're you're not selling anything. It's it's uh, and and generally like it, it's got to be a social setting and things like that. And I just don't see the uh, the interest from a, a business standpoint on that. I understand it just like I would like Open View Kitchens. I like the farmers market where people can come in and interact with the cultivator. I like that portion of the business. But as far as a, a business operation, I don't see how anybody makes a a dollar more than they would have over in the dispensary, and it's it's more of a, a red number at the bottom than it is a, a black number on your on your profit and loss statement.
0: Because people don't
1: buy more. Yeah, they no, buy, what they're they, going to they buy, buy, buy less actually. <laughs> they buy less. Interesting. They they, they, they buy less if uh, if they're con- consuming on site. Maybe they pick up some more and and take it with them, but. Uh, uh, generally speaking, they come in and they buy and and they come in, you know they're they're two point three times a month, uh, you know and and they come in and they stock up and they spend their you know eighty nine dollars and uh, they come back and and do that again uh, throughout the month, depending on you know who who the consumer is. So it's mm-hmm. a it's a it's a different model. Uh, I could see it in in Las Vegas where you don't really have a home base. Uh, and, and can't go, obviously the hotels are, are doing their best to to keep that out of there and, and keep theaters and all that other stuff. But uh, uh, anytime you walk down, you know, that, that's by, maybe the only place I, I, I see a consumption lounge really working long term. And also most of the rags out there are not allowing, which I, I think is a good idea, Is not allowing alcohol and, uh, you know, maybe beer or wine, but uh, definitely not a, a hard alcohol beverage to be mixed with, uh, with cannabis. Cause, uh, we all know what happens then
0: is the focus on potency as strong in the markets that you're, uh, you're
1: operating in. Yeah. I, I think, I think people still, uh, in the more developed markets, they're, they're looking at, at terpene profiles and, and things like that. Uh, you know, in these new markets, it's, you know, I, I hate to say it, they, they buy, you know, if it's, 26% THC versus 24% THC with a great turf profile. They're uh, they're unfortunately picking uh, the former of those two equations. So I think as markets develop and, and people really try pricing it, and, you know, I've got to have this strain or i got to have this because of how it made me feel. I think that develops over time. Uh, we, we're, we're now at uh, 17 months into the equation here. That hasn't quite developed. So you look at what you put on your shelves, and uh, obviously the the uh, mid twenties self slack worker than your your eighteens with with a nice CBD and and terp profile.
0: If people only knew.
1: Yeah, what, that, what they I, do I, I tell you, we we train our guys to to teach them and all that stuff. They they look at those those four four percent of THC and it's like a twenty percent discount in their head. I think is the problem, and it's it's just. It, it is what it is, and and slowly, slowly people develop that, and I, I think people that actually reside in Colorado uh, kind of get that a lot more than uh, than our markets were in now, and and that just develops over time. So you pick off a few few every month that start uh, coming over uh, to the yes. right side of that equation, but it's it's really hard to educate where they where they Hilarious. don't think you're trying to sell them an inferior product, right, right, right. And yeah. then also, obviously, you're testing in uh, all these markets. It takes a while for them to get. To get it right. They they do a good job testing for the 54 different things we test for here. But uh the potency and 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 making sure those percentages are are uh, are dead nuts is I think a little little suspect to say the least. Um how about you? What kind of consumer are you? Uh, I I mainly do like at, like dur- during during day I do nothing and uh and at night I take a, a sleep gummy that I haven't formulated for me uh, with the CBN and and heavy indica. Just and, for uh, you,
0: just your own gummy?
1: Yeah, just wow. my own. Wow. So actually my wife and I both uh both uh do that uh, at home. And then uh, so- socially we we'll go out and uh, we- we've got a few vapes we like and, and every once in a while we'll we'll take a, a pre-roll with us. Through. So I'm mm-hmm. not, and- not a heavy consumer, like the uh uh I would much rather do that than uh, than alcohol, but I I tend to be in social circles that I end up having a, a vodka drink, unfortunately.
0: Sure think we all do try dating without alcohol it's pretty tough you're married yeah. but yeah. it's pretty uh
1: pretty tough yeah. thing to do um I, I always tell people though like we we'd out at uh in our Las vegas operation and we we were kind of big on events we'd have 1500 people there and uh and basically no alcohol there people were were consuming outside trying to push them off the property do that stuff and you'd have one security guard that basically was checking people's uh, IDs and wristbands and stuff like that. Never a problem, never an issue. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, and you you put fifteen hundred people with the the vodka I just mentioned, and you know you'd have fists thrown and everything else. So there was a it's a totally different uh, different vibe, and and I think they uh, I would be surprised if any law enforcement person. not deal with the person that's that's consumed a little too much marijuana versus alcohol Mm -hmm. absolutely um you've been in the industry
0: a long time you've seen a, a lot of the ups and downs so far um how are we doing as a whole give us kind of your thoughts on cannabis as a whole today
1: yeah i i think uh you know you know maybe we thought we'd be moving faster Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just as far as legalization, it's still shocking the, the the Fed's standpoint. And and now you have you know, heavy conservatives are are working this side to just kill everything. And you've got uh, obviously the progressives who want you know a big tax and that to go to reparations and and other things of, of social justice type things. And and that basically between those two, they're killing you know, the, the 90%, we got 90% approval for medical across uh, the country now in your, your mid 60s for, uh, for adult use. And this, the sad thing is they, they can't figure that out. And uh, I, I think obviously that's the biggest disappointment of our industry is still having, the uh, you know, the banking's kind of, kind of up a little bit with these compliance companies that kind of sit in between there, and take on some of the liability to protect those FDIC charters. You know, so that's a lot better. I used to have to hop bank to bank to bank to bank. And uh, you'd get you just get a notice in the mail and they send you a check, close your account and payroll checks are coming through and, and all that crazy stuff. Well, now, you know, I think the whole industry as a whole has kind of bared our, our way through that. Uh, I think I think, you know, at least for us, I, I think the, the closed border system for a, for a while here is, is still a good thing. I don't see places like Nevada or places like Missouri giving up tax revenue. To Northern California, the ship out, you know, yep. track trailers full of product coming here. So I see those borders staying up, uh, which I, I don't think that's a that's a bad thing. If you look at the places where they don't really have borders, like the Oklahoma I mentioned, uh, where people are just shipping it, obviously highly illegal. But uh uh that 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 becomes a scary, scary thought process and and uh you, you, we we can really hurt the industry. So having Having some regulation and testing and control is I think the consumer itself is is much happier with with that than you know the brickweed coming across the border used to be you know 15 20 years ago I think so exponentially we've done a, a really good job on that uh, the federal deal is obviously everybody's uh, everybody's biggest complaint and you look at all the publicly traded companies being listed on the Canadian Stock Exchange and uh, it you know, restricts any mutual funds or anybody else from investing in there. So I think if safe banking allows that. Obviously, everybody's prepping for uh, switching over to one of the two big boards here in the States. And I think that really frees up. One, obviously, it frees up their capital to go out and uh, and big, build bigger businesses, not just here in the States, but also you see the cure of the world of, of going over to Germany and expanding the European operations. Like, we, we should definitely lead... Uh, with innovation and and uh, and how we operate, you know, around the world instead of you know state by state here as well.
0: Well said. Um, I think that's a good place to start to wrap up. How can we help you? How can the audience help you? Are you hiring for anything? Or yeah, whatever you want. Yeah, to-
1: yeah like any any new company. Like I said, we got we got four hundred wonderful humans that work for us. Uh, we're always looking for uh, for wonderful people out there. We continue to expand our, our Greenlight brand uh across the uh across the country here uh we we've got big pushes into these new markets like uh, you know we think north carolina's coming kansas here uh is is uh is definitely coming any of these new markets we're trying to get out of, ahead of the equation so we're always looking for good strategic partners as well if that makes any sense and uh you know we're we're just going to continue to build our our green light brand we think we have something special we make people feel good when they walk in our stores and we're staying behind a brand commitment to, you know, the green light brand uh, that people take home and, and, uh, and God willing, we, we deliver on.
0: Good stuff, John. Well, thank you so much for the time and all you're doing out there and good luck with rec
1: and beyond. Yeah. Well, well thank you for doing this. And, and also for, for all your other podcasts and what you're doing for the industry. I think the, the more people we pull back the veil, the, the less scary it is.
0: Thanks so much, John. Have a good right, thank one. Thank you.